We are live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Show Me the Money Club. You can see quite a few people here. Uh, so we're going to get into everybody, what this all is, because uh, we have a very interesting topic today for you guys. You might notice I'm not in my normal spot. I'm actually out of state. So come in here, hanging out with everybody. We're going to do a really great show. Uh, so again, Show Me the Money Club. I'm the rideshare guy, Sergio, myself, Chris. And we also have special guests today. We have Nicole Moore of RDU. We have Brian Dolmer, who is the author, or one of the authors of this study uh, that has in California, making $6.20. So we're having him on to be able to discuss more of that. Uh, we have Tyler uh, and Walt. Uh, one uh, from, or Walt, I'm sorry, is from uh, Seattle. Uh, Seattle-based driver, and Tyler is one of the drivers who participated in this study. Thank you guys for coming on. Um, Sergio, if you want to kick it off. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Um, welcome. Well, we appreciate you showing up, obviously. So, we, you know, we've been setting this up with Nicole. I've been setting this up with Nicole for a couple, three weeks now. And then, of course, the news last week hit from the Department of Labor, which this made this more timely than ever. So, we did not have any inside information. Uber and Lyft probably did, but we did not. So, you know, <laughs> so to me, it's like this couldn't be more timely, number one. Number two, um, as I said from the start of Show Me The Money Club, we are here to inform, educate drivers and sometimes entertain. You know, I mean, you got to have sense of humor and all this. Uh, but today, you know, we're not here for a debate. What we are here for is, you know, put forward the po certain point of views um that actually are really really relevant and important in today's gig economy and once we do that you know i'm going to ask some questions obviously you know i'm going to maybe act like a little bit of a skeptic here but to me the most important thing is for our audience to make up their own minds and i think with this kind of panel if you did not make up your own mind who you are if you're if you want to be an employer and an independent contractor then maybe it's time for something else. I'm not sure. <laughs> so with all that said, so I, you know, ladies first, everybody introduce themselves. Start with Nicole. I'm Nicole Moore, a uh, part-time driver in Los Angeles. And the president of RDU. Yeah, I'm supposed to say that. I know. I'm uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know but it's <laughs> never, it's not about me. It's about the crew. I got you know, you. 20,000 drivers around the state have joined up, and uh, that's really why it, it matters at all. Okay, so next we'll go to Brian. Hi, I'm Brian Dolber. I'm a professor of media and communication studies at California State University, San Marcos, and I've been working with Rideshare Drivers United for about four years. Uh, I'm also a former part-time Uber and Lyft driver. Super, and let's go to Tyler. Hey, my name is Tyler Varela-Revitz. I'm a part-time driver now, ex-full-time driver, up to eight years now. Um, single dad with two daughters, and I work the graveyard shift. There you go. Uh, drunk hours. All right. <laughs> and last but not least, Walt. Hey, yeah, I'm Walt. I'm a Uber and Lyft driver. I started back in Washington, D.C. back in 2015, and then moved out to Washington State in 2016. And... Um, been doing it uh, off and on, but when, when I'm doing it, I'm doing it full time. And I'm a member of the drivers union here in Seattle. And uh, we've been uh, fighting for driver's rights and uh, trying to, you know, see if we can make this viable. Cool. We're going to get to your uh, segment probably once we're done with uh, everybody else. 
if you guys want to hang out the rest of the show you're more than welcome to if you have other things to do which i understand you want to leave uh especially nicole because she's taking her lunch break in her car and joining us right <laughs> that's a late lunch <laughs> break nicole <laughs> and, hey i have to work it yeah uh, i know you, you're the best thank you I'll, so, I'll, I'll just go on a hike and come back in a bit. Just... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, don't get don't, don't don't get eaten by bears or anything like that. <laughs> we just found you, so we don't want to lose you right away. So hang out for about. <laughs> okay, so so there was a there was a study done um, about a month ago, I would say now, maybe a little bit less. Um, this was um, a study that got major mainstream media play right we talked about it actually a couple three weeks ago on one of our episodes and we did a couple of short videos about it but um what better way to ask the one of the authors of the study than brian who was um one of the authors and he'll mention i'm sure who gets the rest of the credit for the study so i'm going to ask him you know quickly or you know as well as he could um to explain what the study was which was um the headlines that we saw was well our uber driver is only making six dollars and 20 cents an hour so brian you go ahead floor is yours explain to us how you started the study what was involved and how you came up with the conclusion of, of six dollars and 20 cents an hour yeah sure so my co-authors uh are with uh, policy link which is a nonprofit um a research think tank uh based in san francisco uh and um we collaborated alongside RDU uh, to collect data from drivers in real time. And so one of the things I really want to emphasize is like, this is why this study is so important and so different and interesting from most of the studies that we see about driver pay, rather than relying on data from the companies, uh, which, um, you know, we see these studies from time to time. I think the, the most recent one uh, said that drivers are making $35 an hour, right? Um, but the, the authors of those studies are relying on data being provided from uber uh in order to make those determinations what we did is we used an app uh called the driver's seat app uh designed by the driver's seat cooperative uh which um basically um looked at what data was being collected uh by uber and by lyft uh from drivers as they did their work and uh from that we were able to ascertain um the uh mileage the amount of time uh, and uh, the pay uh, that drivers received uh, for for that work. And so, you know, I know that there's a lot of eyebrows being raised about the $6.20. Like, where does that come from? And we don't dispute that, you know, drivers may feel like they're earning a decent amount of money um, because what, what we saw was that the gross pay right, for um, the drivers who participated in the study was $26.30 an hour, right? So Uber may say $35 an hour, but but when they say that, um, I think they're, they're going by Prop 22 rules. They're saying uh, that this is for engaged time, right? But we believe at RDU and we think that most drivers understand their own time as the time that they're in the car, the time that they have their app on, right? So, so when we look at that, it's $26.30. But what that $26.30 doesn't take into account is then what we deducted within the study, right? And so we looked at the taxes that uh, drivers are paying as independent contractors. We looked at the um, benefits that are lost that employers typically pay into 
um, and uh, the amount of time, like pay time off and sick time that uh, employers are allowed um, that, you know, with the loss of that safety net, drivers have to figure out a way to pay for that time on their own if they get sick, if they're unable to drive for whatever reason. And then the biggest deduction uh, that we took into account is the depreciation of the vehicle, right? And so a lot of folks say, well, you know, I'm paying for gas up front and it's not, you know, this IRS rate of, you know, 58 cents or, or now um, as inflation's happened this year, 61 cents a mile that the IRS uh, gives for, for reimbursement to uh, employees. But what we have to keep in mind is if you're driving for any length of time, as anybody knows, something's gonna go wrong with your vehicle, right? And so the, the costs that we're taking into account are not immediately felt by um, the driver. You may think that you're getting $26 in cash an hour, but there are deferred costs, right? Taking care of yourself and taking care of your vehicle that um, are not taken into account. And so when we look at that, uh, plus the taxes that you have to pay out later, um, that's when we realize that, you know, drivers are actually making below the federal minimum wage. And the average driver in the study uh, was at $6.20 an hour. And there was not a lot of variation within that, right? right? Drivers were basically settling in uh, around that $6.20. Right. So, I mean, one of the most important things that I've been saying for years and years is that the lack of education of the driver. I mean, a lot of drivers get out there with a daily goal in mind and then you know, when I talk to them, they go, oh, I made hundred bucks today. I'm like, well, no, you did not make hundred bucks today. You grossed a hundred bucks today, but then consider your expenses, you know, um, what is your net? And they don't even understand the question. So that is really, whatever study comes out, obviously it's going to be looked at with some skepticism, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, the, the skepticism that this, this study um, got, you know, at first it got my attention, obviously the headline, but then, <clears throat> you know, um, when you, you know, I, I mean, you, you put in, I think it was 55 drivers, right? Um, okay. that they, they were involved in the study and you um, collected data for 12,000 trips for about a one month period, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, to me, that kind of, as far as sample size, you know, I don't think that's that big of a sample size, but let's take that, that it is, right? And the $26.30 that you came up with was for online time, right? I'm assuming it's not mm -hmm. active time like Uber That's does. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Uber does that or Lyft does that or all gig companies use active time is because, you know, we interviewed the CEO of Uber. He said, look, we don't know what you're doing. You know, you could be multi-apping. You could be doing other things, although your utilization factor may be 60%. You know, we're not going to pay you for... 40% of the time that you may be on Lyft or you may be on DoorDash or you may be on Instacart, right? So I get that point. But uh, when you come with the deductions, like, you know, when I first read it, I was like, no, no way. I'm making $6.20 because personally speaking, I know what my costs are per hour when I'm running my car. And for each individual, it's a different number. If you're driving electric, it's different. If you're driving a hybrid, it's different. If you're driving a gas guzzler, it's different. If you're driving a 10-year beater, it's completely different, like a Prius, 10-year Prius. So how did you guys come up with those true, like, vehicle expenses? Besides, we'll talk about the healthcare and right. and pay time off and all that stuff later. But right. what kind of vehicle was used for those deductions? Well, the vehicle expenses are, we use the IRS rate. Okay. So, so the mileage uh, deduction? Right, exactly. So, okay. yeah, so the 58 cents a mile, um, which now is 61 cents a mile. Yeah. Um, so 
the, at the time that we did the study, we used we used the uh, the rates that were applicable um, during that time period. Um, right. And you know, uh, yeah, there's going to be variation depending on your vehicle, but that's you know sort of the most accurate and generalizable number that you know that we can find, and that's what uh, were drivers' employees what they would be due in terms of reimbursement. Right. Okay. So um, one of the skepticism, after I read it, I read the article actually three times just to get an idea of what's going on. Um, you know, the, the um, you know, besides the cost of running a car, which we all know, gas depreciation, wear, wear and tear, all that good stuff, uh, which most drivers keep ignoring, really, I don't even know why, but they are some for some reason or another. So when you when RDU or Brian yourself or anybody actually um, in, in the gig economy who was involved on one side of the opinion or the other, what do you guys compare? Because in order for you to deduct for all the expenses, such as healthcare and paid time, sick time and paid time off and, mm -hmm. you know, retirement and all the good stuff, right? How, um, what, like, I want to make an apples to apples comparison, like, mm -hmm. what should we compare an Uber Lyft driver to? Should we compare it to someone who's standing at Walmart for 18 bucks an hour who doesn't have any of those benefits? Or should we compare him to like a UPS driver who has all the benefits and gets paid 25 bucks an hour? What are we doing here? Like, because to me, like, the most important thing is, yes, you can deduct all those benefits that an employee would have under certain circumstances, because we know in retail today, if you're if you're working at you know most retail places, let's say Walmart, Costco may be a little bit different, but I'm talking major Target. You know you don't have health benefits most of the time. They're not going to make you work 40 hours a week for you right. to get those health benefits or or the 401k or the retirement benefits. So I want to get a true comparison. That's that's what I think the article was missing. Like what are we comparing an Uber and Lyft driver to? Are we seriously doing it like a UPS driver? Yeah, because they're both driving, delivering things, humans or packages. Or are we comparing it to a high-end job with full benefits, you know, at a company, let's say Costco manager? Who are we, who are we comparing these drivers to? So so the data that we used to figure out, you know, to, to break down these numbers, right, was based on what is legally due employees. Right. So if you are an, a Walmart worker, you're entitled to the benefits that we enumerate in the study, right? Like the um, the time, the paid time off that you accrue um, in, and we did, this is specific to the state of California, right? Cal that's California law says you get um, ten minutes per every, I think, three hours uh, that are worked, and so we use the California state minimum wage, right, to then calculate the value of that 10 minutes and then multiplied it out for every driver based on the amount of time that they worked and figured out how much they were, how much they were owed. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're not doing anything in this study. That's like, you know, Cadillac plans of, of benefits. We're saying that this is the minimum of what employees working in the state of California are supposed to get. Uh, and um, so like when we talk about, um, the the loss of a safety net for drivers. This is um, kind of the best estimate that we can figure out of what drivers would need to pocket in order to make sure that they're okay, right? So right. if if you know you get sick and you can't go, you know, drive on the road, how much do you need to have in reserve from the amount of time that you did drive to buy yourself out? Because that's basically what. The state is doing uh, and your employer is doing, um, it, you know, for for uh, most employ employees. Right. Yeah. And so I, I mean, think... the, 
Yeah, go ahead. And- I just I think, you know, what the state of California does, what labor rights or as we say, employee rights are supposed to do is they're supposed to provide a safety net when things don't go perfect. Right. So, um, you know, workers compensation, if you get injured on the job, um, unemployment, if you get deactivated or, you know, if there is a pandemic where they don't provide some kind of PUA, you know, these are the kinds of things that when things don't go well, there's a safety net for you. You know, um, right now, as as drivers, if you're not putting money away every month from your uh, from what you're getting in, when that when that healthcare thing hits you, right? I have a good friend in rideshare right now. She has to have surgery. She's she's going to be out for six weeks. She she came to me. She said, "I'm going to lose my housing while I'm trying to recover from the surgery. I have to get this house, this surgery or I die." Right. Like, right. you know, like, so what do you do? Like, like I had a good week. Right. I, I didn't have to buy new tires. My transmission was good. I didn't injure my back when I put the suitcase in. Um, and and, got, you know, thank God I, I have my health. But but we're, we're gambling on that stuff. We all know when we get in the car, we're gambling to a certain extent. But the whole idea of labor rights, employment rights, is have a little bit of backup, no matter what kind of job you have, if you run into one of those things. And, you know, when we put ourselves out on, you know, to drive 40, 50 hours a week, we're setting ourselves up. Something's going to happen to our car. It's not just going to be gas and oil changes. We know that. Well, I agree. I mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. And that's when, you know, I talked about the education part of the of the yeah. equation is that a lot of drivers don't save any of the money. I mean, if you're making the money, you got to save half of it at least or for either a plan B, because this is not look, you know, we all know. Uh, do you know, Nicole, how many of your members are full time drivers versus part time drivers? Like out of 20,000 members, do you have an idea? I mean, it's it's um we probably have a higher percentage of full-time drivers that are part of RDU than are right. part of the greater workforce. But there's a lot of people, you know, that just throw in a couple days a week for three months and they're still considered a driver. Right. right. Um, so, but, you know, probably, I mean, those of us who drive really full-time like Tyler here, like we know, <laughs> we know what happens and we drive the majority of, of miles as full-time drivers. Oh, that's right? I mean, that's, that's given obviously, but you know, the, as we all know, I'll bet you your membership is probably running pretty close to the numbers that Uber and Lyft puts out as far as full-time versus part-time drivers. Right. I mean, the 80, 20 rule applies 20% of the drivers give 80% of the rides. And then, you know, the rest of them, 80% of the part-timers give 20% of the rides. If you take those numbers and we apply it to your membership, you know, it's probably, you know, 20% of the 4,000 members probably are full-time drivers. Now, do you think, I understand, you know, the employee rights versus full-time versus part-time, but since this was put on years ago as put your side hustle on, it's a, it's not a full-time gig, it's not a career, you know, none of that stuff, all that was sold beautifully, right? And everybody said, oh yeah, the flexibility, freedom, you know, I'll just turn on the car and go and make some cash and whatever. But then, you know, in this study, I do understand how you can lower your $26.30 to $6.20, right? But do you think this applies to only full-time drivers or to everybody? Because a, a full-time driver's costs are going to be a lot higher versus, a, 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 you know, soccer mom driving four hours a week, right? So how do we, how do we come about that? Like, how do we find this happy medium that 
you know, everybody should be employees if you're turning the car on and you're on the Uber or Lyft or DoorDash platform. I'm not sure that's that's going to fly just for the fact that maybe for the 20 percent who are full timers, grinders on the platforms doing 80 percent of the rides, maybe. But what do you think about that, Nicole or Brian or Tyler? I mean, are should full time drivers be treated as part time drivers like everybody gets the same rights as far as um, these companies are concerned? That's how the law treats you right now. Okay. Whether you work um, uh, as an employee for one hour or 40 hours or 60 hours, you have the same rights. Right. Your, um, your employer has to put in for um, unemployment. Your, right. your, you know, your employer has to put in for workers' compensation. So, um, you know, in that way, you can have three or four, um, you know, app-based pieces of work. If we weren't misclassified, all that would be working into having real benefits, not having to pay self-employment taxes, having right. the employer put in for um, social security and stuff like that. I mean, all that stuff, it, it's, you know, there's a, like in America, we kind of don't understand what labor rights are. We, we think of employment as nine to five, structured in a shift, Monday through Friday, has to be full time. That's not actually what labor rights are. Labor rights are if you have a job and you don't have control of that job, you don't set your own pay, <laughs> then then you're supposed to have some rights to cover you because you're really not your own business person. Right. So, um, so let me squeeze this um, quickly in here that, um, you know, also part of the article um, um, blame Pro Prop 22, right, for for what where the numbers are and then that under prop 22 um you know drivers are actually losing their flexibility and freedom as opposed to anything else you know our audience you know could you explain that to why that is why you have that opinion either brian nicole or anybody well so what what the study shows is that um you know as we went and and spoke to drivers who participated in the interviews uh that uh, or who participated in the uh, in the study rather, um, what they repeatedly said was that they are having a harder and harder time making the same money that they used to, right? And that the tricks that they used uh, in order to um, you know inflate their earnings uh, and and make as much money as possible are not working anymore, right? So. Um, and and we saw this like you know fairly blatantly right when um, once Prop 22 was passed, um, the apps took away many of the options you know in app that that allow drivers information so that they could uh, have more control over their work. And so right. after spending 220 million dollars right and saying flexibility you know be your own boss yada yada. Um, they uh, then uh, right right when they got their law uh, that went away, uh, and so um, you know drivers are really suffering because of that, and uh, you know even more to the point now than than before in some ways don't feel like they have control, um, and uh, I mean probably the biggest piece of control that you could have is over your wage, right? And if you're an independent contractor and a small business person, you set your prices. Obviously, that's not the case here, and they're lowering the prices, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. Nicole, uh, I, how about this, um, you know, I mean, look, <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, Tony West is uh, kind of connected to the administration. <laughs> so um, do you think, do you think, uh, you know, I mean, we know what's happening all over the country now, right? We, we're getting upfront destination, first time in a decade, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
I mean, look, I talked about this all the time and, and there's no downside of knowing where you're going. You know what I'm saying? There is absolutely no downside of that. Okay. So do you think they had a kind of a little bit of a inside thing saying that because the, the kind of coincidence may be too much, right? The release of all over the country, basically, uh, you know, by the end of the year, Uber and Lyft both should have upfront destinations for drivers all over the country. Okay. Small city, big city, whatever it is, according to what their CEO said. Um, so to me, are they doing this to just kind of circumvent what's coming, you know, the building falling on them or are, why are they doing this? Why do you think they've been, they, they, they didn't release this for 10 years and now they're going like, oh, look, that's all this information you want. You have it right there. Tyler, I know you know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry if I was directing it to you. But yeah, no, um, the way we look at it is it finally broke. Like we finally became that big enough that the labor laws found out about it. And they, we did, we um, spoke to OSHA about it. And I even spoke in one of those, and that's why Nicole was getting at. And we let them know, like, hey, during COVID, they didn't provide masks. We had to provide our own things. So now it became a safety thing on a human being at that point versus just, hey, you're working and everything. And during the pandemic, it was just like, hey, well, good luck. You guys figure it out how you want. So just recently, they started slowly giving you extra things. And by giving you, I mean, they gave you discounts. They didn't say, here are the mask. It's more like, hey, here's a discounted price on being able to provide you some mask. And then if you do want them, because I actually try to get some, they're like, come pick them up way over here. And I'm like, I got to drive how far? And I drive graveyard, like I mentioned to you guys. So I'm sleeping most of the day. Like, or even right now, I'm barely waking up type deal, you know? So yeah. when it came to well, that. But, you know, but, 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 you know, that, that wasn't, that, I wasn't asking you that. Why do you think they're releasing the destination of the passenger now? Do they want to make us look like half, half independent? Is that what they want to do? <laughs> no, man. They're trying to lower the prices. No, we, why, we, to... no. Yeah, 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 no, no, you know what? We, we actually, we actually we're, hold on, hold on. We're actually going to need your help, your members' help, Nicole, because. We're gonna run our own test, right? And and what better way to run it than with a bunch of drivers and passengers? We do understand, you know, there's a two-sided market and the, the algorithms are set up to take advantage of both sides, period. There is no ifs and buts about that, okay? Lowering the rates will come, you know, with testing certain things and thousands of thousands arise later. You run a spreadsheet and you put your mile and minute rates, which they took away now, versus the new rates that the algorithm is figuring out in a millisecond figuring out 70 different things. Uh, my suspicion is, you know, I said I said about this, this upfront fares and destination, it's, it's boiling the frog slowly. So nobody will figure it out. You know, I, in fact, in fact, we did a Uber math last weekend. We did a lesson, math lesson. We figured if Uber takes a dime, just a dime on top of what they're taking now, because last quarter they did 1.875 billion trips in one quarter. A dime is $187.5 million in the four quarters. That's $750 million. This is just a dime. We're not talking about dollars. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, quarters. I mean, figure the numbers out, right? So this is going to be their way to profitability because the algos are so good now. And, you know, they're going to squeeze a dime and nickel, a dime, you know, a nickel here, 25 cents there. And then there goes their profit. That's how they're going to be profitable. But... If, you know, how about this? If they were to release this, okay, now we see the destination without any restrictions, okay? You can decline a thousand trips in a row. Well, some parts of the country, they're turning your app off already. We're, we're getting news of that. <laughs> but, you know, let's say, let's say this, this, this goes on. And tomorrow, miracles of miracles happen. And they go, okay, now you guys are full 
independent contractors. You name your price for the trip. Why would you say, why would you guys say to that? Then would that make us independent contractors? Because then we can sit there and you know put a price on a trip. And if it's too high, then we'll go hungry for a couple of days, but we'll adjust like any other independent contractor would. What would happen? Do you guys would you guys take that deal? The inevitable result of that would be what happens if you um, try to buy a used book on Amazon and everybody has their automated pricing system to drop it to 25 cents below the next person. And before you know it, it takes about five or six days and the book costs one cent. So we'll bid each other down to, to unsustainable levels right? because there's always going to be one person who's thinking just cash flow. Uh, who's going, well, you know, I, I, that's more than the price of gas, so I'll take it. Right. So, well, they tested that, by the way, you know, when AB5 came around uh, before Prop yeah. 22. And then, yeah, every every driver was out uh, downbidding each other to the point that I was like, well, might as well do it for free. <laughs> I'm just like, well, yeah, I called it hunger. So games at that time. It was like, that wasn't even funny. So you're left um, with a choice of making no money or making yeah. unsustainable money. Yeah. No, I, I, I get you. So, um, you know, in 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 a perfect world, right, RDU and, and a lot of drivers on your camp want employment rights on top of, you know, the flexibility and freedom. Do you think that's feasible, guys? Yeah, I mean, let's let's be real. Like the way most people talk about this, they talk about like we want to remain independent contractors. I just want to be clear. <laughs> That there's no remaining anything. We're not independent contractors. We are not building our own, own business. Lyft won't even match me more than three times with the same customer because it's not, you know, they don't want me to build my own business. So, you know, I, I, you know, so, so this whole way that they frame this, this question, do we want to remain independent question uh, is more like the way you said, which what if they did give us the ability to set our own prices and, you know, we didn't get in trouble when we canceled or, you know, all that stuff, right? I think that's a completely different business model than, than the companies are looking at. They gave us a little multiplier. It wasn't even the same as setting our own prices, right? Um, that was before 22. Um, so what I would say is, um, we, you know, we, it's not that we want to, we, we can't remain an independent contractor because we've never been given that choice. They've always set up, set up the whole thing. The algorithms have so much control over us. They game us. They know what our goal is. They'll stretch us out to stay on the road as long as our goal is, you know, I mean, all that stuff. So do we want to become employees? It's like we're already treated like employees. The only difference is our phone is yelling at us instead of a boss over our shoulder. Right. And so we deserve those rights. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I get you that. But you do realize that, you know, this is going to be an uphill fight. I mean, these companies. Right. I mean, they're trying to protect. It is what it is, you know, close to just in between Uber and Lyft, 60 billion dollars worth of market capitalization. Right. I mean, they're not going to go away and lay down and say, yeah, everybody become employees. Wear your Uber shirt and Uber hat. Go out there and accept every trip, you know, work your eight hour shift and then go home. And and if I mean, they have the ability to do that. I mean, Nicole, you know what happened in New York City, right? I mean, they came with minimum wage laws and some benefits and not everybody can turn their app on and go on to the platform anytime yeah, they want. But but guess what? 
They also have a strong union there and they fought back on that stuff. Yeah, you can't turn your app on in the middle of a field in upstate New York and get paid minimum wage, right? But when you're in the city of New York and you take a ride with Uber, they pay you uh, the, the, um, the unoccupied time that the market shows out. So like for you know, 40% of your time is basically your car is going to be empty. Even if you're waiting at Dodger Stadium or whatever, whatever, you get paid for that time. And people, um, you know, they have, the, the thing is in New York City, they have strong regulation and enforcement from uh, government entity, uh, taxi and limousine commission, right? And um, they have very strongly regulated and they enforce the rules. They did not let Lyft and Uber operate in New York City without giving them the data. So they were able to look at the big data. They didn't have to find 55 drivers to drive around for a month. They had the data, right? Like our our state needs to get the data, right? But what they were able to tell was that drivers were making less than minimum wage um, in every way they slice the numbers and they could. And so they said, we need to bring folks up to minimum wage plus expenses. So that's when they instituted the $25 for all time worked. The way it works is when you take that Uber ride, you get 40% of your time tacked on that you get paid hourly. Plus you're still getting bonuses and, and um, you know, the surges and stuff like that as they're available. Right. But, right? but you know, um, uh, so I mean, as an average, the right. drivers used to be making 11 to $13 an hour. And now they're making 17 to $19 an hour average after expenses right right right. Right? and then they're about they're fighting right now because they have a strong organization new york taxi workers alliance that is fighting for a raise they're gonna get like a five to seven um bump up and and they'll be making 30 to 32 gross guaranteed not just on a good night i know but there you know this model is not being followed or repeated throughout the country why do you think that is is it because the local legislatures are just bending over to uber and lyft or is it why is that why why is this happening i mean mean, our governor here in california told us to to that labor should bend over um to work with the industry um you know there's a lot of people that are you know kind of sucked up into this they they want the cheap prices you know they 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 want you know uber and lyft to support their political campaigns but that doesn't mean it's right no no i'm not saying it's not i'm I'm not saying i'm not saying it's not no i'm not saying it's right but what i'm saying i'm trying to find out that look i know these companies are not going to go away and just you know, say, okay, everybody become employees, whatever. That's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen. They're going to fight tooth and nail, even if their stocks go to zero. All the way there, they're going to fight, okay? They've been fighting this for years. So um, is RDU or, or the, the you know, the employment model, I mean, you know, both companies are saying, and a lot of analysts that follow these companies are saying that if that model became nationwide, the employee model, everybody became employees, um, you know, it would raise their cost 30 to 50 percent, which it may be a little bit too high for me, but let's say it does. And, you know, typically what companies do is pass it on to the passengers. Right. I mean, they're not going to do anything else with it. And as we know, Uber and Lyft raised the rates for passengers between 30 and 60 percent nationwide anyway, before even any of this happened, because they call themselves, uh, you know, inf- immune to inflation. They were, can raise the prices, but then we're not going to pay the drivers you know the, the same increase that that we we charge the passengers so 
Um, if if this were to happen, right? If everybody became employees and these companies, you know, they say it's a total threat to our existence, and you know what? They disappeared, right? Because there are a couple of companies out there, like Alto, right? You guys know, I'm sure. They own their cars. They're a vertically integrated company. They are, they're all employees. They hire employees, right? They have benefits. They have, you know, I've spoken to a few Alto drivers. They're not that happy being employees, to be honest with you. I don't know if you've spoken to them. I've spoken to the CEO. You know, he came up with this higher end model of ride share with on schedules, whatever, but they're all employees. They don't, you know, they give him, they give you the car, they give you the gas, they give you everything. You just show up and work for 20 bucks an hour and, and some benefits. And to me, it's like, we do we do surveys and you know that in fact you know again nothing no coincidence we did a survey on our channel got over 1500 votes which i know is not a big number so the survey had four choices one was independent contractor two employee three a hybrid and four was show me the money <laughs> so independent contractor got 63 percent of the vote nine percent was employee ten percent was um a hybrid of sort and 18% or 17% was, or 18% was show me the money, meaning smart drivers are out there, you know, they can do whatever they do, multi-app, whatever they do, and they hustle, and then they make themselves three grand a week. I meet all of, I meet them all the time, but not everybody is going to be able to do that. So why do you think that is, Nicole or Tyler or Brian or Walt, anybody? Why is there this notion when we do survey after survey that practically 70% of drivers or gig economy workers want to stay independent. Are they misinformed? Are they buying, drinking Kool-Aid, too much Uber Kool-Aid? What's happening here? What, what's going on here, right? So, Why so, is that? Because it's a huge number. 70% is not a small number. Yeah, I mean, I think the part of it is that there's a misconception that, I mean, I'm hearing a little bit, you know, as we're talking, which is that employee means scheduled, right? Right. And employee doesn't mean scheduled, right? Uh, and Nicole was kind of pointing to this earlier that, um, uh, by law, right, absence of Prop 22, right, and even absence of AB5, because this is what the courts in California had determined, and this is what most courts throughout the United States are saying, and most courts throughout the world are saying, is that the, the way that uh, these companies are structured, the workers are employees under the definition of law, and that has nothing to do with scheduling. And so that means that you can remain an employee and not have to go on to a schedule and give up that flexibility right, that drivers are saying that they feel like they're losing anyway as they're being squeezed uh, by, by the rates. So yeah, I, mean, I, I, get, I, get, I get your point, you know, and I do follow all the news around the globe, obviously, you know, their laws and, you know, the way they look at labor is a little different in Europe than in Australia, maybe, than they are here. It also depends, obviously, who's, in, you know, who's in charge over there, you know, uh, I mean, the, but we're here, we're in the US. So what, I mean, under your, your assumption, Brian, saying that schedules don't apply to employees we don't have to have a schedule what employee anywhere can just like go to a job and i'm just being a skeptic i'm not trying to squeeze you or anything else mm -hmm. like i go to uh you know i work at costco i go to costco three hours later i go ah, i don't feel like working anymore i clock out and go home would they let you do that well worker there are employees who are on flex time and they're W-2 employees, right? I mean, as a professor, I have a very flexible schedule, right? right. I'm a W-2 employee, right? So I'm just, I'm just saying that there's, there's nothing about the legal classification of being an employee that butts up against uh, having a flexible schedule. So drivers don't have to lose that. 
if drivers were to lose that with a move towards towards employment classification, that's on the companies, right? And then that's something that drivers could continue to fight for to have a more flexible schedule. But there's no there's no reason in saying that um, that we have to lose flexibility by having the benefits of employment. Okay, Nicole, how about you? Yeah, I mean, what Brian said, and you know, I mean. You know, I mean, I, I can say that any worker in America, whether you're driving a car on an app or whether you're working at Walmart or working in construction, people need more flexibility. We we have to fight for that as a nation because it's, you know, people have to be able to pick up their kids. They have to be able to do those things. And, um, and again, what Ryan said is true. Um, you can, you know, we're still going to try to work to chase the searches, to chase the bonuses and those kinds of things. That's how Lyft and Uber's model is. That's how they schedule people. Like I knew I had to work Friday night and Saturday night. It didn't make any sense to work Tuesday morning. Like I knew that. That's how they scheduled me, right? So it's a different kind of scheduling. But like my day job is in healthcare. Some people, right? You know, they're scheduled down with pencil on a you know piece of paper. And some people, it's an algorithm in the computer. We're not different, though. You know, we're, I mean, we're doing the same kind of work, right? So um, so th this is really about how we're scheduled. And they incentivize our, their schedule really well. They have a lot more drivers on Friday night than they do Tuesday morning. And well, we, I, we follow it. We Yeah, I mean, look, the information... The <laughs> in, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, the information advantage that they have over the passenger and the driver is immense, right? The, the yeah. asymmetric information advantage these companies have because they're basically data banks. I mean, they have, they know everything yeah. about the passenger. They know everything about the driver, probably more than the driver knows about himself or herself. <laughs> so they know the tendencies, what rides they accept, you know, what what hours they, they tend to work, what bonuses will trigger them for them to work. You know, obviously, you know, this is this is what the workforce is becoming these days. But you know, the, the, the 70% that exists today that all want to say, oh, no, I don't want to be an employee. I don't want any of those rights. I want to pay my own health care. I want to take care of my retirement. You know, they're all saying this. I mean, look, we did a couple of episodes. Unequivocally, it was like overwhelming majority said, I see. I, I'm saying, what are these people missing? Are they really drinking this much Uber Kool-Aid or what, what are they missing? I think that that 70% it, it has a number of different groups of people. You have... Some of those uh, who are the part-timers who are just cherry-picking Friday and Saturday nights and making 60 bucks gross an hour and thinking, hey, this is just great and I don't want to lose this, you know. And uh, because, again, you're, you're 20, 80. Uh, of that 80%, some of them are just cherry-picking. A lot of them are probably cherry-picking the better times. Uh, the whole system wouldn't work if everybody was just cherry-picking the whole time. So to us, 20%, we we, we're necessary for it to flow. So we have to find out a way to make it sustainable throughout the whole, you know, all the periods of time. Right. But beyond just the, uh, the, the successful people, you also have a lot of people who just aren't thinking beyond their current cash flow. And so how much gas am I paying? How much money am I paying? So week in, week out, I'm, I'm making cash, so I'm good. And they don't see that they're uh, they're mortgaging their future when the car eventually breaks. I just had to pay six thousand dollars for a head gasket blown, um, and that was painful. Um, but when you're putting eighty thousand or more miles on your car, you really have to 
factor in depreciating from a full car with all of the expenses to absolutely nothing in three, three and a half years or so. And people, when you, when you don't factor in that, well, then the job looks really good. And so I wouldn't want to give up what looks really good. Um, but again, it's not until after you get burned that you start to see, oh, wow, this wasn't sustainable. And so part of it is the education piece and helping more people understand uh, the exact true cost of doing the job. Um, and some people really, you know, don't want to. They just want to, you know, or, or, the way I think of it is, is it's either desperation or, or ignorance. And yeah. desperation often leads to ignorance because, yeah, you know, I, I got to pay the bills yeah. right now. So, I mean, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, when I first started driving, you know, excuse the language, shits and giggles, I would make 60 bucks an hour and three grand a week was no problem for me. I mean, nothing. Right. And then fast forward six years later, even forgetting inflation. Right. I can. And I'm in L.A. I'm probably the best market to be in for a ride share. And I can hardly crack 30 bucks an hour. This is online time, not active time. Right. So and my expenses obviously have gone through the roof last three years, which is, you know, it's not being adjusted for, obviously. So granted. Right. I mean, the numbers are going down. But then with Uber's churn and burn attitude. Right. Because they just want to replace the driver. And there's another one. You know, 10 more are about to join. One burns and 10 more is about to join because that's been their marketing for the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Right. They don't care who they're burning and churning. You know, there's 10 more to replace. That's why the average of, uh, you know, of an Uber driver or Lyft driver is eight months to 10 months. That's it. They quit and then they go do something else. Because I now nowadays, you know, I call it doing ride share with the cost the way they are, with the expenses that drivers have. I call it like taking basically a, a, an equity loan on your car, on the remaining equity of your car to pay your short term bills. And then six months later, when your car is shit, excuse me, language again. You have nothing left, right? Now it is that. But six, seven years ago. So we have to look what was so good six, seven years ago. And and we know what's so bad today. We know that. Yeah. So what was so good six, seven years ago that that we cannot duplicate? And to me, I'm like, I spoke to you all, what, for about an hour the other day, right? And you talked to me about stuff. And I want you to basically repeat that conversation. I go, honestly... <laughs> I did not find one thing wrong with what you said, but then maybe I'm naive. Maybe I didn't read you for an hour. Um, but what is what is the downside? What is the downside of the Seattle model? And explain that what it is to start with for our viewers and everybody else. Because I thought, you know, it was like a win-win-win situation. I'm like, it's the first time I said that, win-win-win. Okay? Maybe Nicole will disagree yeah, well, or Brian or Tyler because she knows about the Seattle situation and as well as the New York situation because those are the two cities. That kind of had the balls to go against these companies and create some laws to protect drivers. So I'm like, LA, I don't know. I was like, LA is the biggest market. <laughs> have some balls and do something here, you know? But anyway, so go ahead, Walt. Tell us what, what I, you got. I think what used to be good primarily was they were pumping enough money into the system that it didn't matter whether, you know, we had downtime or it didn't matter whether we also had high expenses because we were making enough gross to cover all that and more. Now, a lot of people would just squander it, but you know, if you have enough money, you can overcome almost anything um, in general. And so that whole system changed back in 2016 when they split us from getting a percentage of the ride to now we get per mile and per minute and the passengers get charged whatever the market will bear. 
And when that happened, it was about a 35% pay cut across the board for everybody, which would have had us all go off the pitchforks and go on fighting, but for the fact that they suddenly instituted all these bonuses and promotion deals that were, you know, we didn't feel the pain equally. So um, we didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't understand what was going on. And back then I was screaming, hello, the whole point of this was that when they shift it from a base wage scale to bonuses and promotions, they can then say, oh, well, you're not entitled to that, that bonus. This is, you know, this is extra. And so year after year, they chipped away at that and chipped away at that. So even pre-pandemic, all those were pretty much gone. And so we were getting back all the way down to the 35% pay cut, which was not sustainable when you look at the big picture. So what Seattle ended up doing was originally um, – the, they, they wanted to copy the New York model and put it on here and say, well, look, it looks good for New York, so let's do it. And a number of us drivers said, oh, oh slow down. New York's a very different entity than Seattle, and every area has different needs. So the New York rates weren't going to work for us here. New York has like 15 hours of rush hour a day. Most of us are only like five or six hours of rush hour. So it, it's, a, it's a lot less on time here than it is in New York. In New York, you might go four, four blocks and it takes 20 minutes. So you better pay them for their time more out here. Some of our rides are short, but we also have a lot more longer rides. So the, the mileage is a bigger piece of that. So what we, we did was we put, we put a hold on the, the rush to copy New York so that we can say, look, we're good for labor. And, and we just got, did what New York did and said, either give us these numbers, which they were much higher than what we ended up getting, or do a study that actually shows how much we're making, how much we're spending and the, what do we need to make in per mile and per minute minimums so that most of us are going to make significantly more than the minimum wage? And, you know, you might have a couple of people who are below if they're just staying out in the middle of nowhere, sitting at home all day, hoping to get a ride. But uh, for the most part, by bumping the money up, we've now created a system that is sustainable. And so uh, we moved the rates up uh, I mean, like next year, uh, da, da, they're going to be 150 per mile and uh, 64 cents per minute in Seattle. And then statewide, we've finally expanded it. So starting in January, rather than the, the much lower rates, it'll be 37 per minute and 127 per mile. Um, and at these rates, you can make enough money to overcome a lot of the, the shortfall. So hold um, on a second. Hold on a second. So, a dollar, yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, so because when we were talking, you said you even made a deal to adjust for inflation, that the rates would go up. Yes. Right. So yeah, and I that's mean, why I'm reading you next to the the numbers for 2023 are a little higher than where we are right now because we're getting we're not, about an eight. Well, we're almost there. Give me the numbers for 2023. 2023. Uh, that was that's exact, what I gave you. Ballpark. 2023. The the exact numbers as the labor industry came out with, uh, it's uh, 64 cents per minute and 150 per mile in Seattle, and 37 cents per minute and 127 per mile outside of Seattle and the rest of the state. 64 um, cents a minute? 64 cents per minute. That's more than we get paid in LA for mileage. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid 60 Which is ridiculous. Because if, oh. if you're getting paid 60 cents per mile, you can never make money. Okay, hold because on that, you're not getting paid for hold all on. your miles. Go ahead, go hold, ahead. Hold on, hold on, hold, so hold on. 64, um, cents. 64 cents a minute. Last time I checked, there were 60 minutes in an hour, and I don't think that's going to change. <laughs> so what is that? Is that like 
38 bucks an hour? Or? Like 38-ish, yeah. yeah. Are you effing kidding me? <laughs> I feel so bad for LA drivers. Nicole, why are you driving still? <laughs> what the heck is going on? So, and buck and, 50 a mile. That's like a, that's like a candy. That's like, you know, cherry on the cake. You guys, you guys. Yeah, you guys, well, it, okay. really, that's what we were making before the big change. We were, I was making 80% of about a buck 87-ish a mile. And the per minute, I don't, it was a little low, a lot lower actually. But um, the, the per mile part, we're just kind of recovering back to where we were in the good old days in 2015 when the rates were much higher in Washington state and also back in Washington, D.C. I know other places in the country have always been low. Um, and I talk to drivers and they're making 60 cents a mile. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Yeah, exactly. They say, some, well, some but, days but, it's good. Know, no, it's did, not. We did a show. We did a show on that. And we put all the major cities on the, in, the, in the country. Like there are cities uh -huh. actually that are less than 60 cents. And there are some like at 62 cents. Basically, Uber's rates before this upfront shenanigans came around with the double algo and, you know, how they squeeze the drivers here and there. Yeah. is is uh it was down to 60 cents basically the irs deduction so i always tell drivers i go how do you expect to make money yeah. if you're if the irs deduction is more than what they're paying you so i'm like right. if you're doing yeah. it for a tax break maybe right. i wear your car out for a deduction but other than that i don't see a point in doing it so a buck fifty the, the per trip more, are you are the you, per trip must be profitable. are you profitable at buck yeah. 54 oh absolutely absolutely right. um but the money alone wasn't the only piece of it. Um, okay, well, we also, uh, yeah. as, as the driver's union got together and, and saw that lots of drivers were getting deactivated because they were getting rear-ended in traffic. And some drivers were getting deactivated when their car was parked and they got hit. Uh, because, again, the system just doesn't care about us. We're disposable. Just throw it, throw it out and get a new one. So we established first in the nation deactivation rights where they have to be able to show just cause. And there's a... Um, an arbitration process that this, the state provides as an option, or that we could take the forever wait 10 months arbitration process that Uber and Lyft give us. Either way, however, they have an incentive to get it done quickly because now we're el eligible for back pay all the way back to the point where they deactivate us based on our, our previous income. So we've got that protection. And then we also now have uh, sick leave where we're coming in at uh, one hour per every uh, 40, at the, at the rate that you were earning when you have a butt in the backseat. So effectively, um, the 40 hours of having a passenger earns you one hour of earning at the rate when you had a passenger. And, um, and then also uh, workers' comp eligibility has gotten thrown into the mix as well. So these things are possible um, if you are able to have the political will or you have the, the, you know, the drivers get together through, through a union or something. But unfortunately, uh, it's not a one size fits all. A lot of places are not going to be able to get um, their, their local government or their state government to go along with this. Maybe certain areas think, oh, my gosh, or government regulations are bad. All it's a, they're screwing all of us um, and not really caring. Um, and, and then you also have a lot of drivers who, again, aren't fighting for this because they don't see how they're not making money, Okay. how well, they'd be better off sweeping the street. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I get that. I say that to a lot of drivers. I go, you know, define for a W-2, right? I mean, look, it doesn't make sense. If you don't understand numbers, you know, don't drive. So, um, well, I mean, are you part of a union up there? Yeah, driver's union in Seattle. Um, 
I've been involved with them ever since I moved back in the area in 2018. But I think uh, around 2014 is when the, the state passed a law effectively allowing us to uh, collectively bargain for wages, which normally we wouldn't be allowed to do because of antitrust law, um, which is one of the two big laws that Uber and Lyft have been using as a weapon to, to screw us. They use antitrust and contract and, and basically try to establish this situation where you know all of their money comes on us and they don't have to act like they're a company that does big stuff and all of the power goes to them. Right. I mean, so so um, is the, is it the union that that takes care of because one of the biggest problems, obviously, safety and unjust deactivations for drivers, which has been going on for. Yeah. Do mm -hmm. you know anybody that got reactivated uh, through this process of yours? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we have um, the unions providing not just protections against deactivations. And I, I just checked with the office. They were saying about mm, 15 or so a week come in with, with deactivation issues. And I, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know we have had several reactivations. Um, and part of that is because we provide the representation for you when you go to these hearings. We provide um, assistance with both, both the deactivation issues and also with the average parking ticket, because we know, you know, three strikes and you're out on a, as I parking, as a moving violation. Um, and so if you have one of those, a lot of drivers don't know that, you know, if you have a lawyer, they, they can plea it down to a, a broken taillight and suddenly, boom, it, it's not something that's going to cause you to lose your job. And so we, we provide that representation to drivers as one of the, you know, the benefits of being a member of the union. And quite honestly, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a, the benefit that's provided to anybody who walks in there because, you know, we're not going to turn you away. Well, I mean, look, this is not cheap to do, okay? I mean, you know, you're talking no. legal representation, all this. Who pays for this? Does the passenger pay for it? Is there a tax for it? Or do you? is there a membership fee? How does it work? There's about, I, I think now it's about 15 cents per every ride is going into the fund for the driver, um, uh, whatever they call it, representation union type thing, uh, the driver resource center. Um and that is something that, again, we got the, the state to um, to go for. Prior to that, Seattle had a uh, 52 cent tax, which was for lots of different things, because the, the way we were able to get this passed was not just to have the drivers say, hey, fight for us. We combined with other interests. We've combined with the Public Transportation Institute. We combined with the uh, affordable housing advocates. And we all came together with a Fair Share Act that was, you know, you scratch mine, I'll scratch yours. And together we will get this through city council and, and make it law. And that's something that, you know, it's different in every city, but by doing things like that, we found a way to make, to make it viable. Well, okay. So, you know, as I said to you during our conversation, I didn't hear anything negative about this, which I would take this in a heartbeat if I, if this was in LA. Uh, however, probably won't be because as you said, different, you know, layout, different, the rhythm of the city in Maine, whatever works in Seattle doesn't mean it could be copied all over the country, but it certainly could be copied in similar cities to Seattle. Um, so, Nicole, Brian, Tyler, what's wrong with this picture? Do you guys not like what's happening in Seattle? I mean, to understand this, Tyler, right, you, you're a driver, Tyler. You don't like buck fifty a lot and sixty-four cents a minute, man. No, dude. That's why I was even going to comment, but you guys keep jumping in it. Um, I was going to bring it back to what you were saying with those drivers. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss, honestly, yeah. and that's what it is. I even told my buddy, get onto driver's seat. See your real numbers to see that your shift isn't working for you. You're not making enough to even cover this, this, or that. And he wouldn't. 
And for the longest, I was like, and I'm a pretty smart driver, I feel like. So when I hit my numbers, I try to beat what driver's seat proves because obviously it's taking everything into account. And not only that, I actually do do those things. I take out money for my one 401k. I take away money for sick pay. I take away money for vacation. I actually do these extra things for myself, even for a car later on, because that's sadly what happened when I jumped in in 2014. I eventually killed my Camry. Now I have a 2016 Ford Fusion. And sadly, I mean, I, like, again, I made enough. I still was making those numbers and I finally ended up paying it off five years later because the contract was. But some of those drivers got a bigger contract, 72 months. So you're in there six more years with that payment. Luckily, the pandemic ended up hitting and then I just started paying it off with my unemployment money. But when it comes to that, those 70% drivers you're talking about, I had to say it, it is my buddy. He just They just don't want to know the numbers. They don't want to know the truth. They think that, that money right then and there is cash money right here to use. But then back to that, you, yeah. your car, what's going to happen when your car has gone at that point? You so have Nicole, a Nicole, what's, what's wrong with the Seattle model? I mean, not that I'm saying it could be duplicated in LA, right? Or any other city. What's wrong with that model? So to know to know the industry, there's a couple of things ways you have to go after the industry to get fairness for drivers. Okay. One is you have to have strong regulation, right? That's what we see in New York City. That's what Seattle did a long time ago and got, you know, rates put in place that were more fair, right? You also have to limit the number of cars because if your rates, your rates could be seven dollars, uh, you know, <laughs> a mile. But if you're only going to get one ride a week because there's 100,000 drivers competing for that same passenger, you, you can't do that, right? So you have to have good regulation both on prices and then number of drivers, right? The other thing you have to have is you have to have a strong grassroots um, organization of drivers fighting for what they want, right? Um, if you don't have that, you know, people are going to make all kinds of decisions that aren't going to make sense, right? Um, but I would say you have to have your rights under the law. The, the, the um, labor rights are a big deal. The drivers in New York City still have labor rights. They're still covered by unemployment. And as the uh, state gets stronger on enforcement, they're going to be covered by all the other rights of employment with strong regulation. What folks did in, um, in Washington State was they gave up their, um, their employment rights for that. And I, I have to say, it is, um, it is you, you want employment rights because you want to have at least a floor that every other employee has but you also want the right to organize your own union and to fight for a contract that is legally enforceable. And those are the things that, you know, you, you give those up when you give up labor rights. I know that there's some legislation in place that helps uh, a little bit in, in, in Washington state, but that regulation we could do in California now without giving our employment rights up once we get the boot off of our neck called Prop 22, because Prop right. 22 makes it impossible for us to regulate. I mean, the, the LA City Council agreed with us that we should have at least $30 an hour minimum, and they voted to support that, only to have Prop 22 say, I'm sorry, municipalities cannot regulate this industry. It's only Prop 22. So we can't have laws like Prop 22 
we have to maintain our labor rights. Otherwise, it's like having a house where you need a refrigerator. So you trade your house for the refrigerator. Now, where are you going to put your refrigerator? But the regulation that's going on in Seattle is good. It's not that different than the, the regulation that's going on in New York City, except they haven't given up their labor rights there. Okay. So, you know, let's segue into um, a few more minutes into the, you know, breaking news last week, right? Department of Labor getting involved and the Federal Trade Commission a couple of weeks before that, which we talked about on our show, um, you know, saying that we're going to protect the uh, gig workers, not specifically just Uber and Lyft drivers, but all gig workers, you know, all the algos, the games that they're playing, the, the bait and switch, the carrot and the stick, all that good stuff, right? So what weight? Any of you can comment on this. What weight do you, any of you put into what's coming from the federal government as opposed to, I do understand New York City is a specific case. Seattle, honestly, Walt, if I had your rates here, I would be swimming in cash, but I don't have it. <laughs> so you basically have like about 70% of employee rights with the, with ridiculously high rates, pretty much somewhere in that range. I would, I'm kind of looking at it. Closer to 80% or so, but, you know. Okay. Yeah. okay. So what Nicole or Walt or Brian, Tyler, anybody, um, the, the federal stuff, what's happening? What, what do you, how much hope do you have into anything coming out of that until, you know, the elections or what, what do you guys think is going to happen with that? The federal government signaling that they believe that um, app-based workers are supposed to have full labor rights. That's what they're signaling. Um, this particular rule is moving, therefore, in the right direction. But what it enforces is um, federal minimum wage and overtime, right? Federal minimum wage right now, what is it, seven and a quarter, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's not that great. But it is moving in the right direction. And we should not sneeze at that. Because next, what comes is more rules. What comes is um, we, we, we would have to push for enforcement. And we actually need laws that that protect us at the federal level, um, you know, not just rules. Um, so um, I applaud it. Um, it's not going to change much right now. Okay, uh, that's what I said. I mean, I don't think much is going to happen on the federal level. I think every city or state should do probably some of what Seattle is doing. You know, look, these companies want to exist, right? They don't want to disappear. I mean, if these companies, look, you, you may like Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, none of these companies. If they all go out of business tomorrow, there's potentially millions and millions of people are going to lose their livelihood. I mean, that's a fact, right? I don't think any of you want these companies to disappear due to regulation or some other stuff, right? I mean, this is the new economy. We got to admit that. We can't just go... Hell with Uber, somebody else will come and replace them. I'm not sure if that will happen. So we don't want these companies to disappear because most of our livelihoods depend on it. And and but we also have to under you know make the point that we are at a point that that you know, like all of you agree, at 60 cents a mile and 20 cents a minute, we're losing money. I mean, a lot of drivers they go, Oh, I made 30 bucks an hour. I'm like, Yeah, you made 30 bucks an hour with surge and you know, uh, at midnight, at drunk hours, and then, you know, it'll be like me being a good golfer. Yeah, I hit the 300-yard drive. It was downhill, and there was like a hurricane blowing behind me. That's the only time that will happen. So to me, it's like, yeah, the fair cuts have been, you know, draconian, obviously. But so, you know, final question for all of you. You know, let's, let's sit down. Let's consider me Uber and Lyft. You know, we're at a table discussing. What do you guys want? 
what do you guys want out of this, Nicole? What do you what is what do you want? And let me see if I can give it to you. I mean, I'm being serious right now. What do you want? Let's get back to those higher numbers, even higher them with because of inflation. Because like I mentioned to you back then, I mean, it was sustainable, kind of like how Walt's saying those numbers were at least in L.A. where my numbers were, were OK. But if you're telling me you cut mine to like less than half of that, that's that's a lot. And now the upfront ones, like from my numbers, they're taking about 61 percent. I gave a ride for one hundred dollars. I the guy was super curious about it. And he was like, hey, how much are you going to get for this? I'm paying one hundred and two dollars. I was like. Really? I'm going to get $80 for this. Easy. And he's like, oh, let me see. We get there. Why is his mind say $52? Do the math on that. If he paid 102, that's 61%. Uber just took off right off the top. Never saw it. Yeah. Other than the guy passenger just telling me about it when he paid. Right. Well, that's the other thing. Like, you know, we can't educate passengers. There are 122 million of them, and they're all willingly taking trips and ordering $30 burritos happily. I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, if you want to do it, do it. But I'm like, hey, uh, but, you know, education, I think educating the driver is probably more important than educating the passenger that they're getting booed. We're both sides are getting ripped off, kind of. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, we're a driver centric channel. So, yeah, Nicole, we're, we're, RDU and Uber are sitting at the table. What do you guys want? Like, what, what are you? what is your model? What do you want? Because I don't want to disappear. I'm going to fight for my life yeah. until my last drop of blood. And I'm going to okay. tie you up in court and I'm going to mess with you all I want. And like, I'm. I'm not going to let you do what you want, but what what can we compromise on? What can we agree on? Well, I mean, the first thing is I think we have to even out the power a bit, which means drivers have to be really well organized. And, um, you know, I I speak for for uh, the organization that we're building right to Drivers United. We're building our own union. Our unions only as powerful as the people involved and when we were able to really shut down the company the you know a couple of days before um, their IPO back in um, 2019, that, that was a big deal. We cost them a ton of money. We have to get to that kind of place where we can cost them a lot of money. That's how we bring ourselves to the table. So it's not just bazillionaire Dara with us. Um, but then we can move our agenda with them, right? Now, our agenda, drivers have been saying, you know, in the, in the surveys that we put out regularly that they want better pay, they want, you know, higher mileage and pay rates, but also a higher, um, you know, lower commission. The commission has to be limited, just like you were saying, Tyler. Um, we need protection from deactivation, stuff like, you know, um, we need just cause and a due process, not just fire somebody because some, you know, some said something. you got it, who's drunk or whatever, you know, says yeah. he didn't like you, right? Like we need those things. But 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 that's the thing about building a union, it's democratic and it's based on what the drivers want, what we negotiate at that table, and we'll have those fights. But we have to build our power, which is why we're building RDU and we're asking people to join us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, as Uber, I'm not going to give you that. Right. I'm going to go somewhere where Walt is and I'm going to say, look, I'm going to exist Look, under under their system. Right. Again, L.A. is different. Every city is different. But I think if the legislatures in every city got involved to the depth of the Seattle legislatures and, and, and passed some laws protecting drivers like New York City is doing. I think as as 
as Uber, me, <laughs> I'll be more willing to not fight to my last drop of blood. Okay. Because Seattle is a, is a proof that unjust deactivations kind of go away. Higher pay rates. Look, we do all our surveys. All our surveys mention three things. They've been, they, they were, there were the same three things since 2016. Actually, they got, you know, pay number one, always. It's always an issue. I'm not making enough. I'm not making enough. I'm like, if you're not making enough, go find something else to do because you may not be good at this. Look, in every, in every job, <laughs> there's a 5% of people who excel, 5% who totally suck, right? Those I cannot help. But then there's an 80, 90% in the middle who, by education or whatever, you can incrementally improve to the next level, right? If you're making 20 bucks an hour, maybe by education, you can move to 23 an hour, 25 an hour. But then if you have if you have Seattle rates, right, uh, which are pretty much, I think, 2016 rates in L.A., if I'm not mistaken. In fact, your minute minute uh, numbers are higher than what we had probably right. ever. Right. Way so higher. back me up on that, Tyler. Is that right? Like in 2016, I think it was like yeah, that's way 30, higher. Buck 30 and like 40 a mile in the in, in L.A., right? So fast forward six years, we're at 60 and 21. I'm like, for, for God's sakes, what the heck is going on here? So besides that, um, I think I'm not going to give you, you know, the, the employee model, Nicole. I, I, I'm Dara. I'm not giving it to you. But I may, I may give you what they have in Seattle. And I may even give you what they're doing in, in New York. But are you in this, like... All or nothing, Nicole. Are you? Are, is are you in this for like all or nothing kind of a fight, or are you guys just gonna go? You know, we can compromise because if we don't, and these companies, you know, uh, they go away, we're gonna a lot of members of ours are gonna lose our livelihood. You know, I mean, there's a potential of that because if they all became, if everybody became employees, there's a potential these companies go to zero. As because they're not look according to them, they're not making money, which I believe they're not, because their business model is garbage. But that's besides the point. That's their problem with all their Wharton MBAs. They haven't figured it out yet. But although this latest scheme of double algos, I think that they're on their way to profitability. So is that the game we should be playing? Like destroy the world, like kill everything? Because I'm telling you, it's the new world. It's the gig economy. People want to participate in it. One out of six Americans do it. Why should we destroy something maybe we should negotiate? Well, I mean, there's your false uh, equivalency that destroying the world is having labor rights. That's not true. It's actually no, I'm just not saying it. I'm not yeah, saying it, but what I'm saying is, what do you? Is there any way to compromise? Like, yeah, there's a lot of ways to negotiate a contract, but what you don't do is you don't give away um, the house when you're trying to buy a refrigerator, right? Because you're not going to have any place to put it. So, so I'm just saying. You know, I mean, there's things that Dara doesn't want to change on, but guess what? Um, labor rights are something that when I look at my kid who's 14 years old right now and I look at what is the future going to be like for her, um, if all of a sudden the majority of jobs in our country don't aren't covered by basic things like unemployment insurance, um, workers' compensation, um, paid time off for when you're sick or when you have a kid. When when I look at that and I say, oh, well, it's okay to just like give a sixth of the economy second-class rights, I'm just not for that. And I don't think that um, anybody in in our, our shoes should, should be thinking that that's the right way to go. I mean, they're looking at apping um, healthcare jobs right now. They're looking at apping, you know, high paid construction jobs right now. And if we end up in a place where we're saying there's no there's no labor rights for these folks, we're, we're going to be in trouble. 
So I say, um, you know, that's that's kind of it's not an all or nothing because I believe there's a lot of places to go. For instance, where New York City is, where the regulation in Seattle was before they gave up the 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 um, labor rights with the uh, state legislation. I think there's a lot of good places to go where we can find better rates, where we can find better protections, including stuff like due process and um, just cause for deactivation. So um, no, I'm not there for all or nothing, but I, I don't think any of us would be in a good place giving up labor rights. So do you think I mean using you, the analogy, using the analogy of giving up your house to get the refrigerator? Uh, we never had the house in the first place, and no one's ever had the house. The first place someone ever tried to build a house was California, and the first thing they did was go Prop 22 on you, and that is is something they were holding over our head in Washington State as well. And uh, while it's nice to have the the ideal world. In the real world, people are struggling. People are trying to stay alive and feed their families. And uh, the the employment fight uh, referendum issue is not one that we can easily win on multiple points. A, we don't have the money that these companies are have to throw to that. Why? Because they're stealing our passengers' money to spend millions and millions of dollars to keep us screwed. Um, so we don't we don't have the resources, number one. And number two, even if we had the, the same amount of money to spend, our argument is not as easy as theirs. It takes eight seconds for them to put an ad up there and engage fear. Do you want your fares to go up? Da, 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 ah! And people just run, run for the hills. No, no, we want cheap fares. The argument that we have to make is more nuanced. It's more, it takes longer. We have to talk about issues of sustainability. And yeah, you want things to be cheap, but if, if the system doesn't work, then it works for nobody. But that argument is much more expensive when it comes to you know, Super Bowl time. And, you know, when you're trying to get the point across. So that's not likely a fight we can win. And instead of trying to take on a fight that we were very, very, very likely to lose, like we lost in California, instead, we're trying to figure out how can we give ourselves a different option than the false dichotomy that the companies are giving us of take it or leave it. And they're saying, well, you have a choice. You can choose to ride for less or choose to ride for nothing. And well, no, it's not take it or leave it. We can take it, leave it or change it. And in Seattle, we're changing it and we haven't gotten it perfect and we have a lot more room for growth, but we're establishing a beachhead of regulation, which is sustainable, not just for the companies and, and the companies need to be able to stay alive or something else hopefully will come and take their place. But it also has to be sustainable for the drivers because we can't keep Uber and Lyft in business on the backs of those of us who can't get venture capitalist funding for 10 years on the backs of those of us who have to actually pay our bills week in, week out, and when our car breaks and we have to get a new one, we, we've got to be able to have enough money to make that transition. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know what, Walt, I think you summed it up pretty well. I think that's my observation in all of this as well. I don't want these companies to go away. Look, I mean, I, I think, you know, and, but, you know, Nicole has a point, right? I mean, especially if the federal law that's passed, that flex law that they're, that they're trying to shop around now, you know, everything is going to change. I mean, you know, a, a guy, Google is working with that now. And a lot of big companies are pushing for that law to, to, to become law, a federal law that, you know, even if you get hired at a half a million dollar coder job and, you know, you're going to be an independent contractor, you're not going to be, uh, you know, an employee. And, you know, look, I, I think, what you guys did honestly I, i'm moving to seattle walt so we're gonna see by the way do, do they cap you do they cap the the driver count there are 
there are no caps on drivers right now. They're actively recruiting. Okay, how about this? Uh, do you see a demand? Come on now. <laughs> do you see do you see a demand? I'm coming up. I'm I'm serious. Buck <laughs> fifty, buck fifty a mile, and sixty five cents a minute. You're swinging cash. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, but it's it's difficult to judge what effects the demands uh, have had because COVID has changed all the marketplace. And, you know, Seattle is a city that has a lot of tech workers and a lot of them are disproportionately able to work from home. So the, the city of Seattle is recovering differently than a lot of other cities. Um, you know, San Francisco is another one like that. Yeah. But as far as um, getting enough rides and being able to make comparable or better money for the same amount of hours, it's now easier to make the same amount of money on fewer hours and uh, you know as long as you know where to go you're not going to have an issue now if i want to just sit at my home out in the suburbs and hope that maybe it'll ping then you might have an issue but as for those of us who actually know the neighborhoods we're not we're not having any problems i mean the number of rides taken has actually gone up um, the one thing i wish we had was more transparency on both the drivers and the passenger side because the passengers um Every time Uber and Lyft have to pay anything more, you know, if our rates go up by 30%, they're going to raise the passenger's fare by 50%, which is exactly what happened here. And so our tips get affected by passengers who think we're making lots of money when we're actually not. Uber and Lyft are using the surge pricing as a, as a profit source. Right. No, I agree with all that. But but you know what it is, though? On base, right? Base rates. We're talking mm -hmm. apples to apples. I mean, the same rules apply in L.A. I'm sure Tyler will agree with that. If you know your city's rhythm, if you know where to be, when to be, you're going to make more money than the average driver. I mean, that's it. You know, it, it, you have to have a strategy. You can't just willy-nilly go accept every single garbage trip that they send you. So <laughs> if you do that, then, then you know, then you're toast. I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah. But in your case, though, you know, I don't even see, you know, one negative maybe that you guys don't see where the passenger is going. But in your case, with your rates and on base rates, pretty much every trip is reasonably profitable for you. I mean, that's yeah. all I'm saying, right? I mean, you don't even it's have a short to trip or a long trip. Picking game, you just kind of go accept. Okay, I'll accept a buck fifty a mile and sixty cents or whatever a minute. I'm profitable. Even if it's a long trip out into the middle of nowhere, I'm getting paid enough to get there that I it, it's fine that I'm dead heading back. Yeah. So I mean, that's a that's a huge plus for me. So okay, uh, like I said, we're, we're gonna cut it out. But I know Nicole is like, are you you're still employed, right? <laughs> I haven't done any text and I'm fired okay. yet. So. Okay. so, you know, let's do like, like, I'll give you like what as much time as you want. Uh, you know, give me like a closing statement because, we, you know, we cannot resolve this here, obviously. And, and but I hope some people are watching this, which I'm pretty sure they are. And, and to me, it's like the most important thing is there are models that are acceptable to a lot of drivers that I speak to, truly. Because when they tell me their rates and even this, you know, with this new upfront, pricing schemes. I see some screenshots, 160 mile trips for 80 bucks in like three hours. I go like, what the heck is wrong with this picture, man? This is bad. Like if I was in Seattle, that trip would be like 300 bucks. So, so, you know, let's go with Brian. Let's go with you. What, what can we do here to educate drivers? Number one, right. Mm -hmm. Which is to me the most important thing, which I'm pretty sure RDU is doing a good job at it. And two, what, you know, is, can we come to a compromise that we keep the industry alive and but obviously look out for the driver as well so yeah so i'll take the second part first and i'll say you know for the entire you know history that we've had businesses they've said 
if workers form a union, it's going to throw everything under the bus and everything's going to collapse and we can't function that way. So I don't see why Uber uh, or, or other gig companies are, are different in that respect, right? We've had unions. They have, you know, made the improvements to a large extent, like the things that Walt is, is talking about, right? Even to have regulations on, you know, on businesses and, and uh, you know, in favor of workers, that's because unions have fought for them. And so, um, you know, what, what we're fighting for at RDU is an independent driver-led organization. Uh, that can, as Nicole said, ultimately sit down with these companies and negotiate, which means there is going to be a give and take. Nobody is saying all or nothing, right? But one of the things that is not compromisable for us are A, labor rights, and B, the idea of an independent organization that is not part of, uh, of Uber uh, and that's you know, built from workers from the ground up. So, um, you know, in, in doing that, I think that's how we educate drivers, you know, being part of, of RDU, that's what I see all the time is drivers having conversations and, and talking about the, you know, the challenges that they face on the road, talking about the frustrations in their lives because of, of uh, the way that these companies operate and developing strategies um, to change them. And so that's why we did the study, right? Is, you know, we had 55 drivers come together and say, we're gonna share our data and see how we're actually functioning under Prop 22. And then we did the analysis and we talked about it, right? And, um, you know, and thank you for letting us have this time on the show to talk to even more people. Um, yeah, so, we, we, I mean, no, we appreciate it. I mean, to me, it's like, um, I think what your study did was, you know, wake up a lot of people because, you know, it's such a number that people go like, huh, 620. I'm like, uh, yeah, have, you know, for most people who say, oh, that's bogus, it's not right or whatever. Look, you did your numbers, you you know, you admitted this $26.30 was the gross, right? On average for these drivers. Okay, I know these drivers probably were all RDU members. I don't know if they cherry picked, if they accepted every trip, which Tyler can answer that. But you found $19 and change in deductions, okay? So take it to $6.20. Now... You know, some people may look at it and say, well, they're not valued, valid, you know, this and that. But again, it's one study. It's one group of people. It's a certain amount of trips done over a certain period of time. And the same people who laugh at that study should also laugh at every Uber study that comes. Because, look, if you're paying for a study, the study results better be to your favor. Because you can skew the results anything you look. I can bring out a study and say, you guys are making $65 an hour. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So to me, it's like I'm I'm actually glad that you did the study and then brought it to light. So we're going to have this conversation. So, Tyler, what do you say? I mean, what you know, I know you're part time now you used to be full time. And the reason you're part time now is because you're getting paid less. I'm pretty sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Scheduling's different. My kids different. I have a every other weekend thing. But back to what your question is. Um, I would actually, let's say, I feel like a lot of people are probably going to be on the chat talking crap because I feel like I would have. Yeah, I'm not paying any attention to that at all. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying in general, that's what they're going to do with the 620. <laughs> but my thing is I'd love to challenge all of those drivers. Sign up for driver's seat and show me that screenshot of your online hours and let the algorithm tell you the truth. And then sign up for RDU if you want to come talk some smack because we're there to listen all the time. We get in our groups. We talk about it at the end. Let's talk about what happened to your day that day. 
or what experience you want to talk about. Yeah, I agree. When I hit those numbers, I'm kind of like you, Sergio. I was up there. I was like, yeah, those are my numbers. What's up? I can teach you how to do it. I've replicated it by teaching other drivers how to do it. But then looking at these numbers, the true numbers, I'm like, oh, I was not up there. I mean, like I said, I already do my own math, my own Excel sheet. But honestly, everyone else, it's like, go for it. Test it. Right. And that's that's the key. We have to organize. I talk to a lot of drivers. They all, you know what they do is they all put out their best week, best, best three hours of a week. And then they go, oh, I, I made, I'm like, you know, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, no. Because if I can't make it, you're not going to make it. I mean, I'm top driver in LA. If I cannot squeeze 30 bucks an hour, gross, you're not going to do it either because you don't know half of what I know. But, you know, I, that's the problem here. The biggest, you know, 620 may not be reality for a lot of people, right? But then when they hear 620, they go, Oh no, I make a lot more than that. I go, well, did you even pay attention to what your deductions are? Maybe you're maybe you are there. Maybe you're, you know, because I'm telling you this, a lot of big city drivers are making decent money today. Okay. San Francisco, LA, you know, maybe they're squeezing 30, 40 bucks an hour. But you know, you have a lot of cities in the country. San Antonio's Florida is horrible right now. They're making 12, 16, 18, 20 bucks online hour before expenses. I'm like, you guys should be doing something else. You guys should be happy doing this. I mean, as much as I hate to say it, it is. But then they're sold into this. I'm flexible. I'm free. I'm doing this. I don't care if I'm losing money. I'm like, okay, go subsidize Uber and Lyft. So, Walt, I'll give you the next word because ladies always go next, last. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like uh, Tyler was saying, is, is we have to be able to organize and reach more drivers so that we can help people both understand and also learn from the thousands of us are out there because each of us have a different experience and by bringing those in we understand where where are the next fights what do we need to try to get for next because nothing is going to be perfect the thing we have in seattle is not perfect new york's not perfect and lord knows los angeles is far from perfect and so how are we going to prioritize what we do next requires listening to drivers and figuring out what counts and trying to find ways to get the higher pay to get the greater protection um you know the just the activation protections to get the benefits that we can if we work through the existing systems that we have and you know if 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 going the employment route is the way to go then sure fine there are many different ways to get to the same uh, result but um it really it's all about trying to make sure we're sustainable okay all right, and Nicole, close us up. Uh, yeah, I think uh, everybody here did a really great job uh, talking about this issue. Um, I think we need to be real about why are these companies trying to change labor law? What's really in it for them? Who is, who's putting the money into these companies and really not getting anything back yet? Like the big investors. Why are they doing that? We know that the big CEOs like Dara and the heads of the big companies are have made huge raises in our country over the last you know decade. And workers are we're actually going backwards. And what we're doing right now as drivers is part of that going backwards. We have to move forward together. We want you know, and um, I think we, you know, couldn't agree with Walt more. We got to organize, right? But I think we have to realize that all of us are going to have to fight for, um, you know, real contracts and, you know, 
we're going to have to do it with labor rights. That's where I'm at. Um, and we can only do it by building power. And uh, we, all we got is each other. There is there's definitely a power in numbers. We know that. So uh, yeah, the unfortunate thing is most Uber and Lyft drivers or gig workers don't last that long, <laughs> which is which is sad, you know, because yeah. of like I, a lot of people that just start this, you know, don't go to the end. Like Walt has you know, for seven years or Tyler has for eight years or like me for seven years, you know. But then, yeah, I think, you know, look, doing these things is so really, really helpful to everybody. I mean. There are strong opinions on one end, and obviously there are strong opinions on the other end. But does not mean, you know, we, we have the scorched earth policy. We just kind of go, you know, we got to compromise. We need them as much. Well, we need them to a point, but they need us more. Because without drivers, people, there is no gig economy. Okay? You got to admit that. Mm -hmm. Any CEO that's watching or whoever's watching, no gig, no, no. You don't have my car, you're not eating, getting your burrito. You don't have my car. I tell my customers. You're not going to LA. You, you, you can sit on your phone all you want. The app ain't going to get you home. You betcha. Well, you know what? Maybe they'll create something like that. <laughs> you know, Zoomie, Scotty kind of a thing. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> but anyway, you know what? I, I thank you, all of you, to, to be here. You know, uh, it probably went a little longer than we should have, but it's an important subject. Um, we're definitely going to keep following up with you guys. And, um, you know, I'm always in touch with Nicole. So she's going to let me know what the good news is one of these days. They go like, hey, man, that's right. Hey, Rachel went to buck 50 a mile and 70 cents a minute. I'm like, yeah, I'm driving tomorrow. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you for All right, everybody. Thank you. Right, thumbs up, guys. All right. Yes. Thanks. All right, Sergio, are we still doing more or are we ending this too? We're going to do our uh, walk. You want to stay on? <laughs> oh, well, you know. Uh, well, you're not I, I like to figure out what's going on know. in the background. <laughs> you're making like, you're swimming in cash. Bro. You're right. swimming in cash. What the heck, man? <laughs> I'm oh, jealous. for sure. I'm All right, jealous. so we are still on. So so before, we're, we're going to wrap this up just in, in a few moments. But um, Walt, if you want to hold on a second. Uh, Sergio, I want to hear what your thoughts are after listening to what Seattle base is, what RDU's stance is, uh, what's your thoughts overall? And then if you were on the negotiating side, a great question, man. Let me tell you, I am, I, I'm not of the, of the policy of, you know, I want to compromise because honestly, it's a new world. It's, you know, we can't go back already. I mean, the the, the 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 what do you call it? The horse is out of the barn, the cat's out of the bag, or whatever. We can't stick it back in. Yeah. So RDU seems to me like they're a little too hell bent on sticking the cat back in the bag, which I'm like, uh, okay, but you know, but I bet you if they were on the negotiating table, I think the attitudes would change because twenty thousand members seriously will lose their livelihood if Uber and Lyft go under. Again, to me, what you guys did, Walt. Okay, because I, you know what, I knew you were coming on today. So I went back, actually, Harry interviewed a couple of uh, legislatures or people who work in the government who facilitated this for the Seattle drivers who started the studies nine months ago, Harry interviewed these people. And I watched that interview twice yesterday. And, and, you know, at the, at the, at, you know, they were both like kind of um, suspicious or not even suspicious, but nervous about what's about to take place. And they said, we'd love to come on and see how the changes have been over the last year. Well, it's almost a year since that interview. 
honestly, man, I honestly don't see anything wrong with what you guys have. I know RDU is hell-bent on labor rights. Yes, you guys gave up your rights to unionize to a point, but you stayed IC. You can turn your app on anytime you want. You got the highest rates in the country by far, by a mile. You got a lot of protection. You got protection for unjust deactivations. I think these are good things for drivers. If you told this to, I'm telling you, Chris, what do you think? We should run a poll. If rates were buck 50 a mile, 65 cents a minute, you got protection from unjust deactivation, you got sick time, so you got sick time or paid time off, you know, you can go on anytime you want. Well, you know what the result of the poll would be? 100%. 100% would say, yes, oh, we want those. You know what? Let, let's do, we'll, we'll design that for so everybody who's watching right now. You know, stay yeah. tuned for that poll. That we'll probably we'll work on that maybe over uh, the rest, like the next hour or so, and yeah, then post man. it probably tomorrow, just to see what yeah, people what? are saying. Uh, yeah. For me personally, look, the, the the issue is we have this end goal in mind, and drivers have so many different reasons why they're started. For me personally, I had it. Why I, I drive now is much different than why I started, even in between. For you, it's different. For you know, we had driven mom on last week and driven dad. They have a whole different story on why they're driving. And, you know, then there's other people who are driving to and from work, maybe to make extra money. Maybe they want to go on vacation, maybe because of inflation and how crazy it's been over the last couple of months. They started driving because they have to offset so they can still survive. Yeah. So a lot of drivers in that boat or, or in some of these boats one might not necessarily care when it comes to driver protections or labor protections, as long as they're making the money, even if they're not looking at, you know, how much costs are associated with driving. Maybe they're just looking at gas. And then, you know, if you're doing an hour before and after work, or if you're doing, you know, Friday night for a few hours or Saturday for a few hours, you're not putting the same wear and tear on your car. So your car can elongate out much longer in terms of that. So your cost to run is going to be much different than a driver who's driving, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours. We want blanketed. We want everybody to have employee status. Well, yeah. that you can look at it as one, one avenue, one way to look at it. Sure, that might work for certain drivers. But for other drivers like driven mom, driven dad, you know, myself, uh, other people, something like that would not work it. And the other thing, too, is when it talks about schedule, well, I go on Uber and Lyft at the same time. If I go on during the day, I throw Spark on that, too, because I'm multi-apping. Every time I have multiple apps on at the same time, I increase my chances at getting some sort of paying gig that I'm out there making money versus sitting in my car waiting for something to come in. So let's be real. If you drive, become an employee for Uber or Lyft, you will not be able to go online multi-app the same way at all. I, you know, you're, you're so 100% right on that because if tomorrow I became an Uber employee, right, there is not a chance on the planet the app is going to allow me to get on Lyft or DoorDash or anything else. I'm tied up to you, okay? Mm -hmm. So, I, I, and, and you know, perfectly said, Chris, that last week we had a couple on, and Walt, please go watch that episode. It's an amazing episode. They're a couple. They both do the gig economy. They both drive rental Teslas. They have five kids who they homeschool. If they were not involved in the gig economy, in what world, or if they were both W-2s, right, how's that going to happen? How's that? It's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So 
lives are changing. Things, thought processes are changing. I mean, look, I'm not against unions, but we know what's the history of unions in this country. Union membership has been on a decline for the last 40 years, right? I mean, granted, corporations have stuff to do with it. I get you. But then with the technology, with the new economy, you know, we need to move with the times. But honestly, man, honestly, I congratulate you guys in Seattle because there is, I swear to God, there is not a goddamn thing wrong with you, what you guys did there. Yeah, you gave up your employment rights. Big effing deal. Okay. Now, the reason for most, that is- Most of these rights are things we've, we've never had. Yeah. You, so what we did was we created rights. Perfect. Yep. You didn't have the house mm-hmm. anyway, right? And you were never an employee. So why are you asking for employer as you're not an employee anyway? But my thing is, you know, what you guys did, come to the table, bring this, because these guys do the same thing, by the way, in every state, right? They bluff. They go, oh, we're going to leave. I'm like, you're, no. you know, they did the same thing in California. We'll leave. I'm like, California is 25% of your revenue. Your company will go to zero if you leave California. You know what I'm saying? So Didn't like, they say, though, that they can make any model work? Well, they also promised in, in, in City Hall that if we passed the Fair Share Act, the cats and dogs would be sleeping together and the world was going to end. And lo and behold, the Fair Share Act's now been around for a couple of years and it's just been good for everybody. Uh, yes, you know, passengers might have to pay a little bit more, but there are, there are no free rides here. If their business model was based on providing a good at below cost, well, eventually we have to provide the good at cost. Otherwise, how are we going to stay in business? Well, the below so, cost initially yeah. was the VC so, money, right? Initially, yeah. below cost VC money. Then, below cost was driver cars, equities, right? And now, yep, it's you just guys have, have us eat it. Yeah, exactly. So, to me, it's like, hey, man, honestly, win, win, win in Seattle, Tacoma, or state of Washington. Reasonably, yeah, for Tacoma, it's night and day. Huh? For Tacoma, it's going to be night and day. I mean, I was just down there the other night, and because I had a ride down to the. Uh, uh, the Sir John Elton concert. Uh, um, and uh, it it was like Elton John, whatever. <laughs> um, it, you know, once I'm in there, I had to just turn it off and come back up because I would, even if I was in a surge area, and that's the only way they can keep people alive is by having surge areas. If I go more than like seven minutes, the, the base rates in Seattle will eat up a $5 surge in a heartbeat. And yeah. so, the Tacoma drivers were, were making like 11 cents a minute and 80 cents a mile, which is just, uh, it's not sustainable around here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, well, but look what they're going up to though, right? So to me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I think I think you got to bring these guys to the table somehow. I, I, and, you know, everybody has this opinion of that, you know, oh, it's either, uh, you know, win at all costs. No, Uber doesn't want to disappear. Trust me, they don't want to disappear. I mean, everybody thinks like, oh, they're Darth Vader. I'm like, no, man, they're not. Look. I, I do articles on people, on drivers who are successful in their own cities. I'm going to do one that's yeah. coming out that's in Chicago, right? These drivers are brilliant. They figured out the system with low, even with low rates, they're making what they're making, but they're working their asses off. And a lot of people are of the opinion of like, eh, I'm just going to sit here and then collect money. I'm like, there's no freebies in this world, man, you know? But what you guys did was, mm-hmm. you know, a happy medium for everybody. Passengers are paying more. Is, is Uber still there? Business is still existing. You guys are making more money. You're, you know, to me, it's like, I, I don't see why, not the exact model, but a variation of this model cannot be applied city by city because your yeah. cost of living expenses are higher than, let's say, maybe Idaho or whatever, right? But again, this kind of model with 80% of employment rights, 
with higher rates is a sustainable model because otherwise this just 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 blow everything up and, and you know it's not going to work for anybody and it's not perfect but we can still continue to fight and get even more yeah. and and gain more protections now that we have a, a beachhead if you will all right so well i got something for you already you've increased your per time your per mile rates to an extraordinary amount which is where it yeah where it used to be uh so as as you know nicole said you know we're going backwards which we all are we can we can agree to that but you guys are bringing it well back. actually now we're going forward we have cost of living but, increases but, and that's where i was going to go you, you get you got your your unjust <laughs> you got your your paid time uh or, or you could call it whatever whatever you want to call it paid time off sick time however you got to use it or, yeah. or whatever it might be um when it comes down to it what what more do you think that seattle or washington could do to make it even better because you keep saying there's there's more improvements that could be made well what other improvements out there because honestly to me like sergio i i agree with that model you know it still gives you that that freedom and flexibility of when and where you want to go on even though yeah there could be some some manipulation behind the times as we've talked about on on today's show even but what else could be improved upon to make it better for drivers where it's still staying that same model. So people like the rideshare mom, the rideshare, uh, I'm sorry, driven mom, driven dad, myself, Sergio, other drivers, you know, full-time drivers, part-time drivers, one-off drivers. How can that make it better for them? Well, a couple of areas, A, uh, in, in transparency, again, so that people understand exactly what it is we're making. And then that will help in tips. Uh, it's very difficult to get a tip from a passenger that paid $150 who wouldn't, who would probably be tipping you 20 bucks if they realized that you were only making 65 or 70 or 80 of that $150. But if, if in their mind, they're thinking you're making 120 of that 150, well then well, I'm, I don't need to tip you. I already, you, you got taken care of. So the transparency on both sides is something that I believe we need to fight for. And a lot of drivers agree here. Another area that's big is that, you know, Drivers who are doing XL or doing Uber, Uber Black aren't really gaining the benefits of this. Yes, Uber and Lyft have adjusted their rates up so that they're higher than the, the new minimums that they have to pay for UberX, but it's still not really um, able to, to make up for the fact that their $80,000 car is costing them a lot more than my $30,000 car. So, yeah, but you know, I mean, you know, about Walt, when it comes to that tipping issue, right? You know, the, the fares in the country, I mean, we do. We, I look at studies that have gone up 30 to 70 percent nationwide. Mm -hmm. Okay, So yep. just the fact that your rates are better because at 60 cents a mile, 21 cents a minute, the, the passenger that gets in my car is not tipping me because Uber has raised the rates on them 60 percent anyway. But at yeah. least you're getting no, we all need this. Also, I'm getting none of it. And then the passenger thinks I'm swimming in cash. I'm like, no, sir, I'm not swimming in cash. Uber is taking a whole bunch <laughs> of it. But at least you're seeing some benefit of yeah, your no. higher rates. Yeah. Yeah, but what about the outrage you could see where you see Uber is making X price, driver is getting paid Y price, and there's that difference in there of their take. How how irate do you think a, a rider would actually be seeing like something like that? So let's say that, that trip that I sent you earlier, that, that 150-mile trip that they offered $80, what do you think that rider paid for that ride? That was probably a two hundred plus dollar ride, easily. Yeah. And that so so you see that if you're a rider and you see 
I'm paying $200, but my driver is only making, you know, $86 on this ride. How mad do you think they would get? Well, well that's the, <laughs> the outrage that we need people to see so that we can get the political clout to change these things. Because as long as people think yeah. that it's, it's, you know, oh my gosh, I can't pay those drivers more because then my fares will go crazy. Well, no, the fares are crazy because Uber and Lyft are, are, are robbing you blind. Yeah. And and not paying us any money. So, you know, again, we need to make it sustainable for all of us. Yeah. No, I, mm -hmm. I you know what? I, oh, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I mean, you know, I think I think a lot of people are going to move to Seattle. See, there's one guy right there. He says, I'm moving to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I mean. You know, well, like, you know, you have good good scenery. Hey, man. You can't that. Great weather. Look at the air. Fresh air. Um, well, I, uh, I, no, I, we got a lot of smoke right now. <laughs> we think, Wild, wildfires are blowing this way. Are they? Okay. Well, we, you know what? Um, mm. We both thank you for coming on and spending an hour and a half or a couple with us. Um, you know, we'll definitely, I'm not definitely going to keep in touch with you, obviously, because now, because we were, I've been looking for a Seattle driver for the longest time. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, <laughs> nobody was coming forward. And then I found you. I'm like, eh, boom, there you go. Uh, I have a good friend in LA. He's, he drives a Tesla, he kills it, makes three, three grand a week. And he goes, wait, Walt, you got a spare bedroom? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah we zoom. I mean, think about the rates that you're getting paid in L.A. and then take that in into the rates that you make in Seattle. How much would you make at that point then? Oh, well, no, but it's not <laughs> the same market. But that's not the issue. But, okay, so we zoom. He drives in his Tesla Lyft Lux, okay? That's like the top category. Yeah. He's not getting paid your yeah. miles and minutes. <laughs> He's not getting paid your miles and minutes. For X. Now that that being said, I mean, I, I I talk to folks down in Vegas, and and they don't even know what their miles and minutes are, but they know they're making lots of money because there's all these surges going on. Yeah. But having to chase a, a surge, especially on the Uber app, where it you the only possible way to actually get the advertised surge price is to turn the app off, drive way out of your way to the middle of the thing, turn it on, and hope that because now you're there, they don't lower it yeah, because your existence yeah, says, oh, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, we so about it's a big game yeah. that's stacked against us and and oh, yeah. to, to have to rely on on that game that that keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking how much we get of that surge yeah. uh is again it's not sustainable it, it it might be good right now but that they're squeezing you and they're squeezing you and you won't even know it because you have no idea why you're making less and less year after year week after week and we've we've got to find a way to actually start to make more and more people in, in the employment world, they're like, oh, my gosh, we're falling behind because our wages have stayed stagnant. We haven't gotten a raise in 10 years. Well, yeah, try taking a pay cut year yeah. after year after year. Every time Uber and Lyft gave us, hey, we listen to drivers like you and we, we want to help you make more money. So here it is. And this new thing would come and you're like, oh, not again. Because yeah. every time it meant you're, we're making, <laughs> I was like, did we really ask for less money? <laughs> you know what? They, they always say, the more you drive, the more you make. You'll be easier than now, ever. But we're going to take something away. And that's the same thing with our yeah. earnings. So we've, yeah. you know, we're we've got so many screenshots that people are sending. So even just looking on, um, you know, different driver forms and, and, you know, Facebook groups and things like that from what we've been able to, to see and, you know, the tests that we're actually going to try to run to, to, to see how upfront earnings actually is, because they say they're giving you more transparency, mm -hmm. but in actuality, they are not because, you know, you in, in Washington, you have two different, you have, uh, you know, 
grade A, grade B. And you're going to get that no matter what, whether the, the ride is two blocks, whether the ride is across the state. You know, the rest of the country has this rate rebalancing where now we're going to give you a little bit more up front for a short ride, but we're going to really take away on the long end. So if you have a longer trip, you're going to get paid less. Yeah. In fact, that doesn't even make any sense. And, and then the time and distance is coupled. No, time and distance is getting paid. You're getting cut off, Chris. And Chris say, you're getting but, cut off. Yeah, you're breaking up. You're breaking up. Uh, oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, we're, so, we're, we're lose out on. <laughs> well, Walt, I got this one, one final question. Actually, the math dawned on me now. You said how many cents a minute? Uh, was it? 65? 64. Okay, whatever. 64 sounds about right. 38 dollars 40 cents a minute an hour 3850 Half of 18 that, bucks on time alone. $19.20, which is minimum wage plus anyway. See what I mean? That's what yeah. they do. That's exactly what they did. God damn. That's so good. <laughs> well, Man. that's the thing, too. What are the what are the, the top three things that drivers always talk about? Pay, stations, and you know, a couple other things that they've they've included in with it. So, you know, you raise that pay rate, how many drivers are much happier? The whole thing is, you know, they had the 80-20 split. They went to the 75-25 split. Then they went to the time and distance model, which I don't even agree with to begin with. I like the splits because, you know, I th Walt, I think you said this earlier. You said something about uh, you have a, a quest bonus, a promotion, and you don't achieve it. You're not going to make that bonus. That bonus could be say three hundred dollars for fifty rides. If you only give forty six because you have other things that are going on during that time frame, now yep. you, you just lost three hundred dollars. But if you take you if you take the total of what you'd make on the eighty twenty or twenty five twenty five split, you, you you take it to here. That that's the pay cut, and then this leftover was what the promotions and bonus are. Get rid of those yeah. bonuses and promotions. Give me back the split of what it was. I'll be much happier that way. Give me the rates that it was. I, I would be so much happier that way. I, you know what? You guys did it right in Seattle. I'm all for for the same model. Different variations in different cities. Honestly, that's it. Yeah. To me, it's like it's hey man, this is not brain surgery. We're just driving people from point A to point B. Okay. Number one, let's not take it that seriously. However, we have the passengers' lives in our hands, so pay me something that's worth my time, as opposed to, you know, uh, people go, oh, I make 30 bucks an hour. Yeah, you make 30 bucks an hour for two hours from midnight to 2 a.m. in L.A. in Bar Rush. And then what about the yeah. rest of the time? What about the rest of the time? So I'm not buying that. Well, do you think? I, look, I'm not buying that. A lot of people just don't drive the rest of the time. They, they, they just cherry pick the good hours. Yeah. But, but the system requires we have people out there all the time. 
there are less and less of those hours because with the economy the way it is, we have an oversaturation of drivers. We're splitting the pie a lot more thinner now. <laughs> you know, there's many yeah. different issues. But what I'm not buying the 620 RDU numbers, honestly, because that's like adding every single benefit you may or may not have to take you down tonight, 620. But truly, a lot of drivers are driving for like eight, 10 bucks an hour. They don't even know it. Because if you're grossing 20 yeah. bucks an hour, mm -hmm. you don't even know you're driving at 12 bucks an hour. And that uh, might as well go stand at Target for 18. I'm telling you, that's it. Well, we, we, we can nitpick about the little small things and whether or not it's, it's going to help them from a PR standpoint to, to include every single little thing, like the 10-minute break every four hours, which clearly you don't need. Because if you're working really, really hard, you just turn it off. Right. <laughs> I'm making lots of money. But uh, um, however... That's that low number. If if it's going to wake people up to, oh my gosh, this, there, there is a big problem here, then that's a good thing. the The downside is it it can cause people to say, well, you know, you guys are full of crap. If we're including a whole lot of stuff that a lot of people think aren't absolutely critically necessary, when really even with just the critical depreciation of the car, you're still not making minimum wage. You're still not even coming close to minimum wage. You know, they, and so, you know, look, you know, they, the, the, the vast majority want to stay independent contractors. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to call all these people idiots. OK, it's just not possible. I mean, look, people like the freedom. People like the flexibility. It may not be what they think it is. However, this new model has to work for everybody. And you guys created a system, I think, honestly, sustainably can work for all three sides. That's it. Yeah. And so and, far it's working. And. And, we're, you know, we're going to continue to press to, to make it better and um, and make it more sustainable uh, for everybody, really. And that's I think you're the only people in the country, including employee, you know, regular employees that got a 7 percent or 8 percent um, increase for adjusted to inflation. Right. I don't think a yeah. regular employee got an 8 percent adjustment. And, and I don't think any driver anywhere in the country got a, got an adjustment because of inflation. I don't think they did. I am. I am looking forward to January 1st. Oh my God! I I I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Anyway, thank you all. We appreciate it, man. Yeah. Cool. You guys have a great one. All right. Well, thank yeah. You. Thanks. I'm, I'm and in touch thank with you. you. I'm on your next <laughs> Thank you. All right. We're gonna wrap Bye. it up now. Thank you everybody for watching, hanging out, having a good time. Um, especially seeing you know a couple of different sides of the coin. Uh, thank you again for watching. Uh, the audio podcast might not be available tomorrow if you want to listen, only because I'm not in town. Uh, as you can see behind me, uh, I am in Vermont right now. So uh, that is an enjoyable little couple of days to, to enjoy. Uh, but with that being said, thank you. Smash that like button. We had, you know, 140 people in right now. Uh, we got, uh, um, I think we had 180 or something. So smash that like button. Um, and also, uh, we just want to say thanks again to everybody who did come on uh, to kind of give their viewpoints, their, their thoughts. And then, you know, I was watching the chat a lot. I was kind of saying anything broke up when it came to here. Uh, you know, watching the comments, so many people are saying in the controversy, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of things there. There's a lot of things that you bring your opinions as well in the chat. Um, and, you know, this is something that we're going to obviously be talking about continuing on, especially with this 45-day uh, input period when it comes to the labor, the labor, uh, U.S. Labor Department with their, their rule, proposed rule change and all that. Um, so this is something that's going to be happening here and now that we're going to be talking about quite a bit. But 
You know, when it comes to some other things coming up on the show, we have a lot of things coming. Today was a very special show having, you know, these couple of different ideas and thoughts when it comes to, you know, where do we go from here? You know, the, the current model, let's be real, works, but it could be much, much, much better. It's, it's not yeah. something that is, it, it's, it's hanging on by the thread uh, and that's really it. You know, once that thread breaks, the, the system will fail. Um, and we don't want that. We don't want to see that, you know, because drivers' livelihoods are at stake when it comes to this. Uh, um, you know, there's quite a few people with that. So uh, so apologies for, for if, if I cut out at all that somebody said uh, what I say. But um, you did. that being said, you guys have it. What? You did. You cut out all the time. Uh, I was like, God damn. Out of all weeks, he had to go to Vermont this week. I'm like, shit. <laughs> uh, it was one of those last-minute things, so... Um, Amen. <laughs> all right well you guys have a good rest of your day enjoy go out there make that money and stay tuned for next week we have a really show coming up next week as well too all right bye everybody and we will see you